Hi there, Girl Fanatics. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. It is awesome to have you spend some time with us. We really do appreciate it. As always, why do we do this show? So that you, the everyday golfer, can perhaps hear a little bit of golf banter. You can have something to laugh at. You can have something to remember. And perhaps you can have something to take to the golf course with you to help you play some better golf. So this show, as always, is sponsored by someone. And this particular episode is sponsored by Vigor Athletic Socks. On the show today is a longtime friend and many, many years ago, former student, uh, director of golf instruction content at Golf Magazine and Golf.com, my friend, Luke Kernanine. Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. It's awesome to have you on, mate. Of course, Andrew. It's, it's wonderful to be with you. And as always, just to have another one of our chats. That's exactly what it's about, Luke, is we're going to banter. We're going to talk about some pertinent topics. We are leading up to uh, major championship number two of the year. We've got the PGA championship and we're coming up to Kiowa. Not a golf course that I have a great deal of warm and fuzzy feelings for. What do you think about the ocean course at Kiowa, Luke? I can only assume you've played it. Well, back when I was full-fledged Andrew Rice student in high school, thinking I was going to be a pro, I was, you know, I played Kiwa in tournaments and the tournament would always come at like early February every year. Oh, so my, It was brutal, um, wasn't it? It was brutal. It was cold. It was long. It was miserable. It was usually raining. Just, just all sorts of miserable. And, you know, that course, I think I, I saw online, it's going to tip out. I'm going to be down there next week, but it's going to, uh, tip out at 7,800 yards they're going to have it playing at next week. Maybe the winds Ooh. get gusting. So it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a mouthful for sure. I will say this, uh, obviously I'm fairly close to it based on where I live. I, I live in Bluffton, South Carolina. And um, as you well know, uh, we haven't had much rain. Today's a rainy day. We've, we, we, we've got some rain um, kind of the week before the PGA uh, but we haven't had much rain. So I would think the golf course is going to be playing with as much sand as they've got out there. That's going to drain quite well. I think the course is going to be playing firm and fast. So 7,800 for those guys is certainly when it's firm and fast is not going to be too tall in order. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, you know, it's, it seems like that pr they probably wouldn't be preparing to set up a course that long if they didn't think there was going to be some significant roll coming off these uh, you know, coming off these drives and stuff, which obviously in South Carolina, if, if it does bake out, there is the potential for that, even though the fairways are usually on the softer side, right? Um, I still think it's going to be maybe a long hitters, uh, it's going to be a long hitters sort of week that week. And mm. I also think especially it's going to be really good for a player who can control their spin a lot. You know, so somebody, I don't know, my, my lasting impression of Kiwa is that all the green, it's super long off the tee and all the greens are like slightly elevated, right? And then there's usually some wind blowing. And so those three things, like when I think long drives, wind blowing, green slightly elevated means you're going to need to control your wedges. These all to me sound like, ah, like a good driver wedge player, especially one who can, can control the spin, isn't getting it really high up in the air. Mm. So that's kind of, those are kind of the, that's the trajectory I'm looking at for my picks next week. Um, and yeah. It sounds it, hard. You know. <laughs> it's, uh, it sounds, I, I, I must say, I've, I've had the uh, 
I, I suppose you could say the good fortune to play the ocean course once. And I walked off of there calling it, a, I, I called it a single figure handicappers two sleeve golf course. <laughs> um, because they're only going to lose two sleeves as a single figure handicapper. <laughs> you can imagine I didn't play that well. And it, uh, it took a few nicks out of me, uh, certainly when I played there. Um, it's a tremendous piece of property. It's a very exposed piece of land. Luke, who are you thinking for the PGA Championship? Who have you got? So, like I was saying, I, I, I like somebody who hits the ball a long way and can, doesn't spin it a whole bunch. That, to me, sounds like I'm describing J Dustin Johnson, right? Um, he just withdrew because of some sort of mystery injury, but I, I think he'll tee it up and play pretty well next week. Um, outside of that, Justin Thomas is another name that jumps to mind, but, you know, gun to my head, I'm saying DJ. DJ, okay. Even with the mystery injury, you're going with DJ. <laughs> I think so, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Maybe he'll tough it through. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. I, I'm going to go. I think what we need to do, okay, we need to come up. We need. We each need to pick. You've picked your favorite, your top dog. Um, you're going with DJ. We've got to pick a favorite and an underdog, okay? Um I'm going to go, I'm really going to go way out on a limb here for my favorite. And I'm going to go with Rory. Mm -hmm. I think this week, Rory is refining what happened on the 18th tee at Wells Fargo. I think he's, he's getting that dialed in. Um, he was, it was interesting to see, you know, it was great to see Rory win, obviously, but it was interesting to see how that shot on the 18th tee presented him with a little bit of a quandary. Do you go with the new version or do you go with the old version? And he seemed to be stuck a little bit in between, right? Um, certainly with that shot that he hit. And I think this week he's got a good dose of confidence. I think he's been working at it. He's going to only continue to get better. I also think that Rory is a little bit of a horses for courses kind of guy, having won three times at Wells Fargo, um, at Quail Hollow, and once at the Ocean Course. And so I think Rory is going to... I think Rory's going to have a great week. He's going to be my favorite pick. Who's your underdog? Who you got? Yeah, I, I like I like that Rory pick. Definitely a horses course guy. I need to ask you about what you think of his switch to a fade too. But before we get there, um, as far as a long shot, a long shot, I, I really like Matt Wallace. You know, I always have like a bit of an irrational, a bit of such a homeboy. Oh, oh, oh yeah. But what am I saying? Irrational? Like I like him because he's English, right? <laughs> but, but in fairness, I also think this is a guy who plays. I always like players who play well in spurts, and specifically, like when they get going, they kind of come out of that run of form with wins, you know. And I think Matt Wallace very, very much is that guy. I mean, a couple of years ago, he won three times on the European Tour, um, and he kind of did not much else either side of that. But that's okay to me because this game, the way tournament golf is structured, like your priority, your priority is winning and you're incentivized to get hot and to run the table. So he finished T6 last week. He's kind of been trending up for a while. He's been showing up. I sort of think that this is a guy who has played plenty of courses in the wind before, kind of a European style course in some ways. I wouldn't be surprised to see him luck sneak into the top 10. Okay. Okay. So seeing as though you're going with the homeboy pick, I've got to go with the homeboy pick, but here's the deal, okay? My guy, my pick has won twice on a very windy location on an island in the last month. He's a long hitter, Garrick Higo, oh. just turned 22 yesterday. 
Uh, I think <laughs> that's that's as that's as far out on the opposite end of the limb as I went for Rory. <laughs> yeah, you, you go somewhere in the middle after that. You've got the longest of long shots and the shortest of short shots. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got Matt Wallace and DJ. I got Rory and Garrick. Okay, we're gonna mark it down. Um, if if either of my guys are doing well, you can guarantee you'll be receiving multiple text messages. I like it. I like it. I'll buy you a nice bottle of wine if you end up. If, if Garrick ends up winning, all right, like maybe oh. you buy me a nice bottle of wine if Garrick ends up winning. <laughs> I'll buy you a case. Yeah. I'll buy you a case. Um, Luke, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is uh, one of the questions, okay, because you you think about this instruction stuff i know you love it uh, i think about it as well and why do you think okay here, here's here's the question i'm going to ask stuart sink wins at harbour town and i'm watching tv and on that sunday twice on the back nine i believe he hit driver and he put up a 175 ball speed and a 176 ball speed and so I teach a couple of really good, athletic, strong college golfers. And I was teaching one of them in particular on the Saturday of Harbortown week. And this kid is swinging beautifully. He is ripping the driver and he's putting up, I'm standing right there. He's putting up 176 mile per hour ball speed. And I'm watching this golf ball and it is some kind of impressive. The next day, I see 47-year-old Stuart Sink putting up 176 ball speed. And I go, whoa, that is something right there. That truly, I don't think people understand. If you could stand next to a golfer or right behind them and hear and see, truly appreciate what 170 plus mile an hour ball speed looks and sounds like, um, that is very impressive. How do you think Stuart Sink, what are all the factors in, in order of importance, okay? All the factors that have allowed Stuart Sink to hit the ball 40 yards longer 25 years later as a 47-year-old versus a 22-year-old stud coming out of Georgia Tech getting on tour. Um, there's obviously a lot, there's multi, many, many facets that go into that. Um, what do you think really moves the needle more so than anything else? Yeah, so as you were saying, there's like a jumble of different factors, right? Yeah. Like we have to start by saying, obviously, the equipment is playing a role too, right? Like, oh, sure. Uh, I'm more on the instruction end of the spectrum than the equipment one, but the ball, the driver, like there's something there that I think any sane person can't discount, right? Um, but the thing that I always key back on, um, and you know, when I speak to people about equipment, they'll say, you know, we're kind of at the ceiling right now of where it's going to be, yet players are still hitting it further than ever. And to me, that makes total sense because I see the way good teachers like yourself teach. And I'm not just blowing smoke, but you know, when I go into a lesson nowadays and they'll tweak my grip and tweak my stance and do this and do that. And then presto, there's two extra miles per hour. And then they send me on, on my way. Um, mm. And it's quantifiable, science-based, you know, you have more information than ever. And to me, that is like very much an effect that is happening all through golf from amateurs to the professional game. Like players are just getting more optimized. So someone like Stuart Sink, 
can like go into a gym and know which parts of his body need activating and then activate them. And then he'll go to a range and get on a track mat or whatever. And he'll be able to like work with a good coach and just squeeze an extra mile per hour out of his swing that day. And then do it again the next day and the next day. And it, all of a sudden, like you're practicing so intelligently and so purposefully and with such good feedback. Uh, to me, it makes total sense that a guy like Stuart Sink is getting better, you know, has gotten, mm. his numbers have gotten better with age, right? Like, yeah. I don't know, that's just the, that's kind of the, the, the game as I see it, but it makes, seeing the way you guys work up close every day, it makes total sense to me. I, I think, you, and you said it, you alluded to this word a few times, Luke, in your response, you said information. I really believe that today we have information at our fingertips uh, that is game changing, whether you're an 18 handicapper or a 47 year old Stuart Sink trying to win on the PGA Tour. Um, we have game changing information at our fingertips, whether it pertains to getting in shape. We know how to do that better. We know how to move that club speed needle. We know how to deliver the club to the ball better. Thank you, TrackMan and radar devices. We know how to fit better. Get this shaft in this player's hand at this length with this golf ball. We know how to certainly, not we, but the people that do this, build golf clubs more efficiently, more effectively. And when you put all that together, I think it all fits under the blanket of information, knowledge, data that we have available to us um, that really, to me, the everyday golfer, I think, needs to start to tap into. It's, it's statistics, it's club delivery, it's the word you used, quantifiable, and we can start to understand it so much better, and our information is better, and that's why Stuart Sink can be significantly longer. Yes, the equipment makes a difference, but I know this, you put today's driver, today's ball in Stuart Sink's hand 25 years ago, he is not... 40 yards longer. He might be 15 longer. He might be 15 longer. Uh, but I really do think the information in all those other areas starts to add up. And that's really what golfers today need to tap into. I know certainly co coaches, passionate coaches who are keen to learn and keen to get a good message out there. They're learning that and they're sharing that information with their students. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and you know, like, Part of me just thinks like, just, just to any golfers out there, just think about like what your lesson, your, you know, like a good lesson experience is for you nowadays, because it used to be like, you know, you'd go to the range and maybe he'd just kind of take a look at your swing and look at your divots and tell them, you know, you, you, and t give you a swing thought and you try to kind of have to trust it and maybe it's working, maybe it's not yet. Nowadays, like, you know, you come take a lesson from Andrew, for instance, like, you're getting on a track, man. You're seeing a before and a, before and, uh, before and after, and you have that feedback with every swing, right? And there's like, yeah. there's no dancing around it. Like it's all it's plain it's plain for you to see right there, like as a student. Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't just make teachers a little better. It also makes just like everything is focused on like getting that outcome a little bit better, which is obviously like good for golf right and when you're a pro golfer someone like Stuart Sink and you're doing that on a loop every day you're trying to get an extra half a mile an hour and you do that over time and over time suddenly you're just like it's such an amazingly efficient good intelligent way of like getting better at something yeah that to me yeah. is what Stuart Sink's doing 
Yeah, yeah, we, we have the information available to us to streamline and speed up the process. Mm-hmm. Don't, let's not spend a month trying that because we know that doesn't work. Uh, we know this works, so let's learn to hit up on the golf ball and get that thing moving. Let's not launch it lower, let's launch it higher. Um, let's not use that driver head, let's use this driver head. Um, let's not train that way, let's train this way. Um, and all of it is streamlined and so much more efficient. Luke, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. So I'm going to try to talk for about 30 seconds while you think, okay? Um, I would like to, to ask you, because you, you guys have at Golf Magazine, you have the, the top 100 teachers, uh, three of which are very happily part of Golf Fanatics, myself, Jeff Ritter, Erica Larkin. Um, you know people in the biz, the teaching golf instruction industry, I would say as well, if not better than anybody else. I'd love to hear from you. And it can be in the fitness area. It can be in the strategy area. It can be in the uh, club fitting, certainly instruction area. Give us three names that we may not know, that we may not have heard of, uh, that you might want to share with us so that our watchers, our readers can can go and check it out and, and say, hey, I, I'm happy to know this person. Yeah, totally. So um, like you said, there's so many great teachers out there. And I, I, you know, I'm saying I don't want to single them out. I literally am going to about to single them out. But yes, um, that's you, me, that's more your permission. And I just want to give the caveat that's not a discount to anybody else out there. Sure. But, it's Yeah, it's, it's like sleepers, sleepers, names we might not know. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, there's a few guys. Like, I was just with a teacher uh, the other day. He's one of our top 100, Matt Killen. I think he's like a really intelligent, smart guy. Um, you know, I always like when teachers, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not a coach. I, I very much come at this from like a journalism student perspective, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But, I, but I, it always, I always like it when a teacher kind of isn't trying to impose something onto me, is trying to like work with what I've got, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's something that um, Matt does a really good job at, trying to figure out like what matchups work for, work for you in order to get the best numbers where we can get. Um, you know, I think along those lines, guys like uh, the, the TPI guys do a really good job with that too. You know, Dave, Dave Phillips is, uh, is another top 100 teacher who figuring out like what parts of your body need improving. Let's, and let's figure out how to target those or build and build a swing around those in order to help, you know, get the best out of your game. That to me is like a guy who sits behind a computer all the time is, is very appealing to me. Um, and then someone who I've written about a lot, uh, both profile and a friend of mine has spoken at your summits too, Sasha McKenzie, I think, is a, is a really intelligent guy who's doing so much, like, again, quantifiable good work for golf, right? Like I, I, as a, and like I said, from a journalism perspective, I, I love when somebody can tell me, tell me something, say like, look, we think this is, we think this is true based on this based on this data, based on this study, yada, yada, you know, that we don't know for sure, but we're learning into it. Like that's very much an academic way of doing this. Right. And that's how people can get the best information over time. And he's a guy, I think that um, he's, he's a guy, I think like a lot more people should be keeping an eye on. Great. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, a lot of those names certainly are, are sleeper names, Matt Killen, uh, Dave Phillips from TPI and 
the good Dr. Sasha McKenzie. You don't want to say too many good things about him because he'll get a big head, eh? He'll get a big head, Sasha. He's he's a good friend of mine, and uh, we've uh, we've done some work together uh, in the past, and certainly through our Ping affiliation, uh, we've done quite a lot together. And so I get to uh, drive around in a car whenever we're in, we're in Phoenix together. Drive around in a car with him and tell him, "Listen, I'm just a golf instructor, okay? Talk to me like I'm a normal person. I'm not some kind of scientist person." <laughs> and uh, that Sasha, in my estimation, does a fabulous job at just communicating his information, which is top tier, world class, in my opinion, um, so that people like myself can understand the message he's trying to get across. So yeah, uh, yeah. really good stuff. Really yeah, good and stuff. Yeah, like I said, like, and there's a bunch of bunch of people too. You know, a um, couple of guys I love on Instagram, Mike Burry and Jake Hart. I think they do a great job. Uh, uh, they do a great job sort of bringing golf to the masses on Instagram. I, it's like catnip every time I see one of those. One of those yeah. You, you know what I've learned through, through and Mike Burry, um, check him out if you're on Instagram, check him out. And certainly Jake Hutt as well. I love both of those guys. Uh, but Mike uh, taught me that golfers want to see clubs hitting balls in slow motion. <laughs> it's amazing. I've done a few articles on my website over the years with some really high speed slow-mo stuff. And you see the club head twisting and the ball taking off and the dirt flying and um, that's tremendous. That's always been tremendously interesting to me. I, um, I once got to use, we were filming a series for revolution golf many years ago, and I got to use a phantom camera, which filmed at 18,000 frames per second. And we needed a lot of light and you needed sunlight and everything to be able to capture that many frames per second. And the guys told me, you know, I would hit a shot and I would go, oh, I missed that. We've got to cancel that. Let's do it again. You know, and it would take 10 minutes to delete all the information. But they said it would take nine minutes to watch one golf swing at 18,000 frames per second. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of information there. There's a lot of information going into that stuff. But Mike has really taught me that, that golfers love to see that close-up slow-mo, you know, putter hitting the ball, ball flying, backspin, dirt, that kind of stuff. Um, he really has some great videos that are eye-opening to say the least. So check those guys out for sure. Luke, um, I wanted to, next question I wanted to go to with you is to see if you were talking, because golf magazine, golf.com, the information you are in charge of golf instruction, you're not presenting information for tour players, right? You're talking to the everyday golfer who gets out there, most often gets to play once a week in the season. They're looking to get better. What is some of the best information? What are some of the best tips that you've seen? Just blanket statements. It doesn't have to be, it could be super specific, but just some information that you've come across in your dealings with lots of really, really great teachers um, to help the everyday golfer. What would you say? Yeah, so, I mean, like, I always, always try to underline, like, the context of, like, what, golfers you know like the average golfer experience is right which is that they work five days a week they probably get to play once a week if they're lucky you know they love their golf but they need to play better on saturday 
So yes. I'm not super interested when somebody says, well, you know, we're going to put you through this program. It's going to take eight months and you're going to get a lot worse and you're going to get better. But if you put in the work and the time, you're, that's not like, you might as well tell that guy to go to the moon. Like it's correct. It's, like, and so people will sometimes dismiss them as being band-aid tips. Or what, and it's like, no, like what we're doing is trying to get you better tomorrow because that's what the golf experience is for so many people. Exactly. And so along those lines, I love tips that I think fall into that. Like, I think educating, I think uh, Mike Adams does a really great job of trying to match up grips with different, like, you know, body types, what your sort of limitations are, what you do well. I think that stuff is super helpful for golfers to know, you know, like understanding that there is no one perfect yeah. stick it on the wall ideal, be that, um, is a really strong message that I think golfers would do well to heed right that it's kind of about like working with what you've got and i think like mm. building a swing around that i don't know i think that's super helpful i know that's not a tip per se um no that's good think- i i like that it it, it uh, the, what i took from what you said there luke is uh, it doesn't have you don't have to grip the club this way aim this way ball position this way and set up this way in order to hit good shots there's a lot there's a range within which you can exist and do very very well yeah exactly so i love that stuff like match up with grips tight tight tips um you know something that i think i hear audience members and readers and users ask me about a lot too are things like balance and stability and like um well those two words are like really big really really a lot of questions i get around that and i think that's quite interesting because i think like a lot of golf instruction is tailored like to like the tall, you know, is like an outshoot from the tall. And I so agree. you get a lot of this like lift the left heel, like turn back, like deep, deep in the right hip turn, like all of which is great advice, right? But again, like, is that great advice for somebody who's 65 years old and plays golf once a week and doesn't really have a big gym routine? Um, because that it seems like that guy's priorities are slightly different than like, you know, than and then a super elastic. Uh, like young Rory McIlroy type. So yeah. like, you know, um, learning to like, you know, it, it all goes back to sort of set up in some ways, but also like learning how to improve your balance, like stuff like that as a way of creating stability for yourself to actually put the club face on the ball is mm. something golfers care a lot about. Uh, it was, was really curious about. Um, and, and I think that's maybe like a priority that I see audience members have that maybe isn't always reflected back to them if that makes sense um, sure 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 it does i you'd be amazed you know i i teach a lot of golf schools and i have anywhere from four to six students in each golf school i would say in in every second golf school i have a golfer that cannot stand on one leg just not swing not do anything just lift that other foot off the ground and see if you can stand there for, give me 20 seconds. Cannot do it. Yeah. Cannot do it. And it's, it's something that really makes a difference in your ability to swing a golf club and hit a golf ball. Uh, very simple. You can get better at that easily, but it is going to take some focused practice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then along those lines too, I always like tips that... Um, you know, that I think are like focused on the outcome. So like, for instance, like if somebody's telling me like, 
if somebody's like trying to improve like our readers like ball striking like not like you know like generally i mean like specifically like the quality of strike on the golf ball yes and as a way of doing that they give them a drill that's like focused on like improving quality of contact or improving the ball flight so they put a shaft and they try to tell you to like work at you know work around yeah you know things like that which they're not just sort of more they almost feel like a game in some ways mm. but i think that's also really important because it it sort of reinforces like the first principles of golf right which is like quality of contact control the ball flight like you know crispness of contact like you know hitting chips standing on one leg and focusing on hitting the ball first ground set whatever like yeah. little things like that i think you know it, there's the swing stuff which is all great but we also need to underline to people that like this game is about club face on ball it's about sending that thing in the intended direction and that's also what makes golf more fun when you're actually getting that feeling of a crisp golf shot so stuff that really prioritizes that i think is yeah important. yeah the i always talk to my students really about four things quality of contact shape of shot trajectory of shot distance of shot and i might look at somebody and say hey you're really good in three of those let's focus just in this area Uh, far far too often i find luke and 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 i love what you had to say there uh, far too often golfers go okay yeah you want me to work on my quality of contact but how's my grip do do i need to get the ball um a little more forward um how's how's my elbow is my elbow into my side on the way down no no let's just pick one thing and and this is something i think a lot of golfers don't really see that when rory mcelroy is working with pete cowan or dj's working with alan terrell or claude Harmon, they're not working on something new and amazing and revolutionary every single day They've got their theme. They've got their one thing that they're working towards. It, it's not necessarily super complex. It, I think for most of us, it would sound very, very simple. And that's what the golf population needs to grasp and needs to start to work towards. You don't need to have everything in your swing perfect. You just need one thing, one element better. Yeah, because ultimately, right, like, it's easy. And I think I actually did this when I, when I was a junior golfer. Like, I did this as in, like, I forgot about, like, the golf is like a game. Like, you're trying to get good at a game. And yeah. in order to play the game, you need to, like, hit the ball where you need to, where you're, like, intending to hit the ball, right? You need to, like, avoid, like, dumping the chessboard off by mistake. Like, you need to be able to move from one spot to the next spot to the next spot pretty predictably right and that's why that like we've all probably lost money to the guy who hits a 40 yard slice because but it knows where it's going every time now obviously that's not like the best way to hit the golf ball but that person can shoot a decent score at golf because he knows what's going to happen and like if you know what's going to happen in this crazy game that's basically the most valuable currency you predictability have. <laughs> exactly. predictability to your point, if you know how far you're going to hit it, if you know about how high you're going to hit it, if you know, like, yeah, all these different things, like, that is 
what the point of why you're on this golf course is, right? Yeah, and right. training that is is so, so, so important. And I mm. think like it's probably easy for golf swing like nerds and maybe junior golfs and stuff to sometimes lose lose sight of that fact. But ultimately, like Monty's swing isn't perfect, but he knows where that ball's going <laughs> and it's a little fade every time. You you've played with them, I've played with them, where it's that that player who doesn't look pretty. They don't necessarily hit it that great or that far, but they can predict what the ball's going to do 19 times out of 20, and they're hard to beat. Yeah, and like to our point earlier, right, Andrew, like when you have technologies like TrackMan and things and you're going to a lesson, like it helps you perfect that because it means like you're not looking at like a, you're obviously video cameras are super important, right? But like that's not the primary technology at play here, right? Like you yeah. can look at what the ball's doing now instead of what your left arm is doing. So like that's that's another helpful way that golfers, that helps golfers get better. I agree. And Luke, I've got to say this. I owe you an apology, eh? Um, because I wish that I could have given you better lessons all those years ago. Oh, <laughs> I wish I knew then what I know now um, because it would have been very different, hey? Oh, it, it, it's funny though, right? Like, look, I'm kind of a believer that like, if you're good enough to be a pro golfer, you're going to figure it out and be in, get yeah. to that level. I don't know. Like, I kind of think, that, but, but it's also just a product of like, teachers teach to what they have available to them at the time, right? Like, yeah. I'm 32. Like, most of my lessons were just, you know, we were trying to figure it out and like via like the technology we had and did it like a really great job. Like, uh, it's just, it's so funny. Like in, it, like as technology like moves forward, so does like it drags along all these other industries and golf instruction is just one of them, right? That like, yeah. you know so much more now than you used to just like every other coach on the planet because like you're able to like, use the technology at your disposal that like other people uh, yeah. back then didn't. So that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, it, ultimately, it's that same thing we were talking about with Stuart Sink, information. Our information is so much better. Our information is so much better. The same way that medicine is better. The same way that, you know, all these things. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> okay, Luke, fast finish questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Andrew. And we we've got a lineup of questions that i ask every guest okay. okay but at the end we have a very special custom built personalized question just for you okay, okay. so let's get going fast finish questions here we go walk or ride uh walk i, I like a good walk jack or tiger Jack Nicholas, a partner of 8am Golf and Golf Magazine, of course. Oh, oh, are you <laughs> sucking up there, Luke? Come on. <laughs> one of, one of our do, you, do you really think Jack's going to watch this? He's not going to watch, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be nice. Um, Pebble Beach or St. Andrews? Ah, St. Andrews. So much soul there, you know. Got to do it. Caddyshack or Tin Cup? Oh, Tin Cup. I know you hate, I know you, I know you disagree with this, Andrew, but oh. I love Tin Cup. That, you gotta go, you've always gotta go old school. You're going walking Jack, 
St. Andrews, and then you go Tin Cup. Totally <laughs> break stride. Such a good move. I mean, I love me some Caddyshack, but I just love Tin Cup. I just, <laughs> it's so good. That silky Kevin Costner swing. <laughs> Open Championship or the US Open? Ooh, hot take here, but I love the Open Championship, but I have a real soft spot for the US Open, actually. Oh, they're not letting you back. You're never I, allowed back. I love watching pros struggle on the US Open when the <laughs> turns into cabbage. It's the best. I love it. Okay. Okay. Good take. I like it. Uh, links or Parkland? Mm, links. Uh, it has to be links, right? I love. Gotta be links. Gotta be links. Um, Annika Sorenstam or Mickey Wright? <sighs> Mickey Wright's golf swing is so good, but I gotta go with Annika. I just think she was pretty next level. When and you know, she. I got some sentimental stuff. I grew up watching Annika dominate, so I. I, I yeah. It's hard for me to say no to that. Would you rather be the best iron player or the best driver? I would rather be the best driver, uh, iron player, excuse me. Um, you know, if I can hit it closer, like, I don't know. I think that that's, like, I'd rather be a Colin Morikawa type, I think. Gotcha. I, I like that. I like that reasoning. Uh, you, got, you got more chance to make birdies being a better iron player, right? Yeah, like if we define it as like, your proximity is going to be number one on tour or whatever. Um, you know, Take that. We're saying the best iron player. Like if I'm knocking it to seven feet all the time, like I feel like, you know, what driving is putting you in a position to do that. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. We're one step closer with iron play. <laughs> exactly. um, the Rolling Stones or the Beatles? Oh, Beatles, of course. I love the Beatles. Would you rather win a major championship or the money list? Oh, I'd rather win one major than the money list. Absolutely. Me too. I'm with you there. That would that would be kind of cool. I, I'm friendly with, uh, and we had Ian Baker Finch on a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I, I, I've done this thing where I've gone back over the last few years. 1981, can you tell me who won the Open Championship? Very much on the spot. Bill Rogers. 1991, Ian Baker Finch. 2001, David Duval. 2011, Darren Clark. 2021, the ones. Look for the ones because when you win the Open Championship and it ends in a one, you're a one and doneer. But I'll take it. I'll volunteer. I'll take it. I'll, I don't know. I like, you know, I, I would love to see Claret Jug sitting on my cabinet because you know what? I won't forget that I won that thing. Your name will always be on there always be on that so yeah. cool okay the bonus question luke this is very important okay would you rather own chelsea football club or tottenham hotspurs oh please <laughs> chelsea every day of the week I, I want some happiness in my life why would i own tottenham if i got <laughs> Oh, I, I, I knew what the answer would be there, but I, I just had to throw that at you there, Luke. I've been a Chelsea fan all my life. I bumped into Roman Abramovich at, in New York City once. I got a picture of him. That was, that was fun. Very um, nice. Very yeah. nice. You've got a monster game coming up here. Big one, I know. It's been Thomas Tuchel has got us to the Champions League final, and 
what it seems like seemingly one over on Man City, at least in the league. So let's see if we can get it done in the championship. That that is amazing. I know you're gonna be glued to some chair somewhere with a big giant screen in front of you for that that afternoon. Laser focus on it. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey Luke, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you so much for all you do for the everyday golfer out there um, in trying to to position the information golf magazine golf.com shares with all of us out here and uh, we certainly appreciate all you do and all you do certainly for us instructors in getting the word out it's great thank you so much mate appreciate oh, you being on oh of course Andrew. so much fun thank you for for all the lessons all the tips and for all what you continue to do for for golf for the golf industry it's it's, it's great stuff and we wouldn't be anything without teachers so thank you Thanks, my friend. Appreciate your time. Cheers, Luke.